Welcome to Talking Water with GMW, where we discuss all things water with some of the most interesting people across GMW and the water industry. This month, we are joined by Maritime Safety Victoria Recreational Boating Safety Manager, Gareth Johnson. Gareth talks about some of the most frequent hazards people face on inland waterways and how they can be avoided. He offers some practical advice on how to ensure your next trip onto the water is trouble free. So if you're heading out to one of our storages during the Labor Day long weekend or Easter holidays, this is definitely worth a listen. We will also be releasing a special episode on March 8 for International Women's Day. So be sure to check back in for more. and what your story is. So I'm with Maritime Safety Victoria, but I joined the Marine Board 2001, which became Maritime Safety Victoria. I'm a naval architect, so I'm a boat designer, sort of civil engineer, and so I worked with commercial vessels. So it was all about building commercial boats and all power boats. I didn't do any yachts, although I was a sailor in my youth. I just sort of went into an avenue that was just building commercial boats that are powered vessels, and then got the opportunity to work with the Marine Board and took over the management of recreational boating, which includes education. And we do a little bit of vessel build and working with retailers and manufacturers, but most of it is education, it's registration and licensing. We do investigations into fatalities and serious injuries and incidents. So a bit of work with the water police. And then also just to get myself engaged, I do a little bit of on-water work. So I suppose we're gonna jump into a little bit of the business side of things. So tell me a little bit about how we would prepare to go out on the water. I mean, the first step really is your knowledge and experience before you approach the ramp is understanding, knowing what you know and maybe understanding what you don't know. We talk about people having boats that match the weather that they're heading out in and, yeah. and being capable of you know dealing with the weather that they head out in. So, you know, the last week at Lake Ewarden, you know, much like Port Phillip Bay has probably been super flat and super warm. So it's pretty conducive to mass congestion. But I'd say fundamentally, you want the boat to float and to bring you home at the end of the day. So it's got to be maintained. And then you want all your safety equipment to work right. And so same thing, there's lots of maintenance involved in safety equipment. And you want everything to, you want to know how things work. And you want your passengers also to know how things work. Launching your boat is is your first part of your problem. And, And generally, you know, everyone likes to think they're an expert, but it's great entertainment to go and watch people launching boats. (laughs) In, on busy boat ramps and so that is you know, it's a pastime everyone yeah. and then past. those that don't use boat ramps as well <laughs> yeah so i think you know it is it's about boat preparation boat maintenance we have over 1300 disablements in a year and that's just people with fuel electrical issues or motors that go wrong and so they're calling for help or there's the unreported ones that are getting towed back by their mates or someone else that they see on the water so we know that that is a high rating problem and it's sort of low risk, but at the same time, every disablement can lead to something worse. And depending what waters you're on or how far you are from home, that can be trouble. So we just encourage everyone to make sure the boat floats. If it's leaking, don't take it out. And then make sure that everything on board works as it's supposed to work. That's pretty fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. And those sort of steps around not just being aware of your boat, but restrictions and what you can and can't do on water storages, that would also play into, I suppose, how you advise punters out there, pardon the pun. Yeah, so we work with DELF as well in the Summer Safe program. Everyone acknowledged that there will be congestion 
Like there are people who can't travel overseas, so barley money is turning into boating money. They can't travel interstate so easily. So there is lots of money being spent on boats, boat upgrades and boat purchases. A lot of it is secondhand boat purchases. We saw a big jump in transfers last year, and we also saw a big jump in new marine licences issued. So to a certain degree, we're thinking that there's a lot of inexperienced people out there with new boats that are not new. Yeah. And so sometimes that leads to no knowledge of weaknesses in the boat or no knowledge of prior history. And so it's just an extra filter to wave over your day is how much do you know about your boat? How experienced are you on the water? And then how congested, you know, where are the people going to be? And I guess, you know, Lake Eildon, there's lots of places where you can get away, get away from the people. But isolation, funnily enough, brings its own risks as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have our Know the Five campaign, which is a summertime boating season campaign. One of the biggest things there is being able to raise the alarm. I've heard about mobile phones and the vagueness or the variability of reception on the big inland sort of waters. There are lots of ways to let people know where you are and let people know when you return. But also there are little distress beacons. You think EPIRBS, which is an emergency position indicating radio beacon, they're mandatory more than two nautical miles offshore in coastal waters. But the little PLB units are fantastic. Mm. I, I wear when I, when I paddle on my shoulder. It's just a really robust way of raising the alarm anywhere. For all inland boat users, they cross over really well into four-wheel driving, bush camping, hiking, any outdoor activity that you have. It's a $300 investment that yeah. will last for somewhere between six to 10 years, depending on the model. And it's just a really robust way of calling for help. And so if you're out alone or even out with a group, it's a great investment and you can use it in lots of different ways. Yeah. yeah. It gives you um, peace of mind too, doesn't it? In case yeah. something yeah. happens, you know, someone knows where you are. And there are lots of different devices. There are satellite bot trackers, satellite-enabled notification send devices, SEND, and there are different costs associated. So a PLB is a once-off price, no subscription. Yeah. The spot trackers, you're essentially buying a low-level satellite phone. You can text off of it through satellites. And it allows you to send messages as well as distress signals. Whereas a PLB, when you pull it, you'll get a helicopter. There's no doubt. But the joy of that is you'll get a helicopter. (laughs) And so so wherever you are in Victoria, essentially, it's about 45 minutes for Canberra and the water police to put a helicopter over you. And they're more than happy to do it. There's no charge for raising the alarm like that. We're more interested in getting people back alive. And if they think you're treading water beside a boat that sunk, or you're stuck with a broken leg after a collision, then it's more important that you lift it out of there than you sit there thinking about MacGyvering your way down a bush track. (laughs) Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the need to be aware of those kind of hazards that you might have with inland waterways? I think everything's based on gaining experience. I work with the accredited trainers that do the licensing scheme in Victoria, and they say, we're not teaching you how to drive a boat. We're giving a licence to have entry-level experiences. So I think whether you're on Lake Eildon, Lake Epilock, or on the rivers, there are definitely particular hazards on each waterway. Flowing water, snags and rivers, you'll come unstuck in a kayak, but you'll come unstuck in a three and a half metre tinny. So you need to know whatever waterway you're on, get as much information as you can prior to departure and do things in small steps. Don't take out a swag load of people in a boat and go water skiing and combine everything in the same trip, build up your experience. Everyone agrees the marine licensing scheme is entry level. It's designed to teach you waterway rules, life jacket wear, speed and distance, and some giveaway rules. But who's going to remember that when they've got no experience and haven't actually applied a giveaway rule? 
So yeah. as much as it's easy to stay away from everyone, but you'll get to these congested times where you need to know, you know, mm. you give way to the right, you give way when overtaking, and then a spot, not rules, and no boating rules. And yeah. so I think I've seen it like Epilock again, outside the caravan park. You know, there's particular areas where there are no boating zones. People think they're awesome. There's a car park, there's a shady tree. I'll operate my jet ski straight off the beach. Pretty fundamental. If it's a swimming zone, it's a swimming zone. Every boat ramp will have a boating safety information sign. It'll give you the local rules. It'll give you the no boating zones. It'll give you the five knot limits. Yeah. And I think that's one step anywhere you go, like whether it's the Murray, because there are different rules on the Murray, it's New South Wales. You've got to inform yourself about the local rules and particularly yeah. with water skiers as well. You know, mm-hmm. There are towed water sports areas where there are different speed limits entirely. So you really got to make yourself aware when you turn up anywhere, what are the particular rules in that area? Yeah. And life jackets, you touched on that. I think life jackets is one of those things. People are not aware if you're moving, you've got to put it on. And tell us a little bit about how you would kind of monitor life jacket specifications. It is interesting. It's one of our primary things as well. Like we look at the drowning toll, look at everything that can go wrong in the water. Your simplest defence is not wearing a life jacket when it happens. Mm. All our mandatory wear requirements are based around 4.8 metres. So under 4.8 metres, everyone must wear all the time when underway. But if you're boating alone in a five-metre boat, you have to wear then as well. So there are lots of times when you have to wear. Our strong message to everyone is get a life jacket and wear it. Inflatable life jackets, like very comfortable to wear, but require servicing. So that's a bit of a gap we see in people's knowledge. It is basically what you see on an airline. It's just a bladder that blows up. If you're a fisherman or you're a saltwater sailor, you know, there's lots of reasons why the canister will rust out. You'll get a hole in the bladder. There's simple self-checks you can do before you go out every time. And there's an annual inspection regime that you should be doing to mm. blow it up overnight and keep it and make sure it holds pressure. And then there's three yearly checks where you send it away and a trained professional will look at the consumables in it, like O-rings and piercing devices. So we say wear life jackets as much as you can, make it normal and maintain them. Yeah. That's right. I think one of the things also is around fueling boats. Do you get many issues around the safety in fueling boats? Well, particularly on inland waters, funnily enough. So generally around coastal waters, people fuel up in servos or alongside at a fuel berth. We do know towed water sports, petrol inboard engines, river campsites, a lot of jerry can refueling, fuel vapours collect in the bottom of the boat and then you push off from the bank and you restart it. And that's when you get an ignition source that will spark up something. Generally, it's a flash. Boats don't always burn to the waterline. Quite often, they will have a flash that will just shock everyone and take your eyebrows off. But it is just an explosion of fuel vapours. Yeah. We've had a few little issues with houseboats that we have over summer. Have you had any kind of incidents around that, you know, with pilot lights not being turned out during fueling or that kind of stuff? I mean, houseboats, by their nature, have a lot of things above deck. And so ventilation is good. You know, fridges and things are vented well. But I think in any situation where you have fuel vapours and flame, you sort of got to try and keep them separate as much as you can. There's no doubt. Yeah, That's right. So what are the next steps after we finish up with summer? Do we have a plan of getting some education and awareness out there or, or is it just ongoing? We do a lot of our education through the peak season, through the off season. I mean, there's less opportunities to engage with people on the water, but our compliance teams are still out and about. Like we know people boat all throughout the year. Some of the fishing is best in winter. Some of our best weather is in winter. And the the hazards are up, like cold water is a major thing. 
And so our compliance teams and the water police, they're out all through the year. We just know there's places where we say, man, we've got to be there on Australia Day. We've got to be there at peak times. But having said that, we can't be everywhere all the time. And so that's one of the issues with enforcement is you're only there when you're there. But I'd say our education is there. We have different things throughout the year. We're designing products throughout the year. So coming into the end of the financial year, that's when we sort of get some money to do different brochures and different sort of pamphlets and then set ourselves up to work with retailers and other people leading into the next season. So thank you, Gareth. This has been very informative. So if we were to give a little bit of advice, if you had like a top tip for someone going out on the water this weekend, what would you suggest? I mean, we say no the five, but it's about three. You know, it's wear a life jacket. It's carrier means of being able to raise the alarm. And then for paddle sports is tie yourself on. Like you don't want to be treading water out there by yourself. And so same thing. There's people out there on stand-up paddle boards everywhere. So combined with that, check the weather. Yeah. yeah. And just have some practicality around keeping watch for everything around you because you can be doing the right thing, but there's people out there that are obviously not doing the right thing and they can be quite annoying. (laughs) It's just as important for paddlecraft. They need to know what's around them everywhere because they can take avoiding action if other people are not watching.